Uh, good morning. It's been a long time since I've been here. Uh, <clears throat> my dad, uh, Tom Johnson, uh, has been here a few times in the years as uh, as he was a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And uh, so I believe uh, on one of the last furloughs he ever took before uh, coming off the field, uh, uh, I think we came through, he, he had a meeting here, just kind of a passing, passing through, giving an, an update. And, uh, of course, I just live an hour north with my family, so I came down with him, and I was the, uh, I was the, 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 uh, the heckler, just in case he needed one, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so my dad, um, he said he was gonna be here, to heckle me, <laughs> but he 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 uh, he uh, he's actually uh, going to meet up with a a gentleman this morning who's preaching at a church uh, just north of Chehalis, and uh, the gentleman uh, is a guest speaker at another church in the area, and he was on the USS Constellation uh, when my dad was in the Navy, and he knows the guy, and. Um, he hasn't heard, seen hide nor hair or heard of him for, well, since 1970. And so he's going to meet up with, uh, with him. And, uh, I don't think they were close buddies or anything, but they're both had been saved in the Navy. And, uh, maybe you remember my dad's testimony. And so he's going to be meeting up with him this morning and, uh, going to try to reminisce. And so he and, uh, my dad's best friend, Bruce Robinson, are going to both uh, go see this guy. So that's kind of a blessing to hear, a, to hear a guy who got saved in the Navy about the time, same time you did, you know, and uh, had that testimony and the gentleman's been preaching for, for 40 years or however long it's been. So anyways, so <clears throat> 1970, 1970 in the Navy. Really? Amen. It was a good year. <laughs> Amen. Were you in the Navy too? Yeah. That's the only way I could get saved in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were you uh, on, a, on a boat or? Uh... Yeah, I was on, yeah, I was on several. Several. Yeah, they move you around a lot, don't they? Yeah, that's what I hear. I tried getting in the Navy, but uh, I didn't have the, didn't have the right health health profile for, for a reliable man, you know, so, and then I, I couldn't get in the Navy, so then I tried the, uh, then I tried the Army, and they said no, and then I tried the Marines, and they really said no, <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, the Lord's Army is, is way better than all of those, so, amen, so, all right, well, let's, uh, open with a word of prayer, uh, Actually, uh, yeah, I'll just pray real quick. We'll get into this morning's message. Father, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for these dear saints. And uh, comfort their hearts, Lord, and, uh, and uh, Brother Stewart's family as well as they continue to go through this season in their lives. And, uh, Lord, may, uh, you be a blessing to these folks here this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's turn to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. I've had a cough for about two weeks, so bear with me if I have a little bit of a tickly throat still. Came down with a seasonal cold, and the tickle just has hasn't left yet. So, <clears throat> oh no, I'm fine. I, there's one up here anyway. So, so it, yeah, it's fine. I'll use it anyways. Even if it does look like it's been used, it's just water. So. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Especially me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, today, uh, this, this message here, uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. It was a blessing to me. And I find that the best, uh, the best bread is always the best when it's fresh out of the oven. 
you know, and uh, and you can put butter or jam or or whatever on. You, know, you stick it in the toaster and give it a nice little crust. And my wife, she she's downstairs with the kids, but uh, she makes amazing bread. And uh, and I I, uh, I I feel like this message is kind of like that. So I hope it'd be a blessing to you. Um, <clears throat> the title is "Go Home," <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but the title is "Go Home." It's a little tongue in cheek, um, but you'll get the you get the gist. And uh, I try to. I didn't know what else to, to call it, and I do think titles. Um, I think they they do have a relevance. I think they should have some some notion about them that makes you pause and consider and say, "Okay, yeah, I get it." And so I hope I hope that uh, that choice would be. Uh, I hope that choice is a good one. So Judges chapter, uh, actually Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, we'll start in chapter 6 and verse 7, we're just going to get some context, I may skip through a few verses here for the sake of time, but we're just going to get a, get a, a bird's eye view of this uh, famous passage here about Gideon and his 300 men. So Judges chapter 6 verse 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites. In verse 5 it says, For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. Verse 8, That the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Period. That's all the Lord has to say. They cry out and the Lord says, you didn't listen. But it doesn't mean the Lord isn't going to do something. You know, sometimes just like a parent I told you so, you know, the, the, my son will, you know, do something. Usually it's my son. It, you know, every once in a while it's one of the girls, but <clears throat> my son will do something and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have to clean this mess up. <laughs> but I told you so. But then later on I go behind and I take care of it without him knowing. I just said, leave, go do something else. Get away from this. I told you so. This was going to happen. But then later on, all right, I'll, I'll go help out. I'll go fix it for you. Uh, things that he can't fix. If, it, if it's something he can fix, I'll, I'll, get him, I'll get in there with him. But the Lord's kind of doing this. Doesn't mean that he isn't going to help. Just means, I told you so. Think on this for a while. And that's the, that's the Lord. He, he sometimes gives you a rebuke and that, and he just leaves it at that. And if you take that as the final word from God, you've completely mistaken his character. And God's not like that. When Adam and Eve fell, that was not the final word from God. Because he had a plan. Let's see, where was I? I was at uh, verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord. Here's the Lord working behind the scenes. And sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. (laughs) The overstatement of the century, right? Not the understatement, the overstatement. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him. Ah, I love it when the Lord looks upon me. 
When the Lord looks upon you, you've got his full attention. Mm, I love that. I love it when the Lord looks upon you and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. And uh, if you're familiar with the passage, Gideon says, uh, Let me go make you some, let me go make you a meal and bring, bring, uh, bring an offering, a meal to you. And so he makes it and brings it out and the angel says, Put it on the rock. And then he puts the rod down and the fire comes out of the rock and consumes the, the, the meat and the bread and the broth. And, uh, and the angel, uh, in verse 21, tail end of verse 21, then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Verse 22, and then, and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. Verse 23, and then the Lord said unto him, wait a second, the angels disappeared, but the Lord's still talking. Just because you can't see see the angel doesn't mean the Lord isn't talking. <laughs> Peace be unto thee. Verse 23, fear not, thou shalt not die. Yeah, you, you, you saw the angel of the Lord, but you're not going to die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Ophrah of the Abbey's rites. 25, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, the same night, the Lord didn't waste any time in putting Gideon to work. The same night, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that it is that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by night, that he did it or that he could, could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Almighty man of valor. <laughs> he did it by night. The Lord didn't say he couldn't, so. He did. He did what he could. He did what was within his range of courage. Amen. Verse 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring up thy son that he may die. Because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash, his dad, said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death. Whilst this is yet morning, if he be a god, let him plead for himself. Doesn't this sound like Elijah? Yeah. Because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore, on that day, Gideon got a nickname. <laughs> therefore, verse 32, therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbaal, saying, let Baal plead against him because he hath uh, thrown down his altar. Paragraph Mark 33. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer, that's, uh, that's uh, of his, his, his lineage there and of the area, that's just the area, uh, were gathered, uh, was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, 
who was, uh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and unto Naphtali. And they came up to meet them. These are tribes that were in that general vicinity. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. See, Gideon's still still shaking in his boots. Really, Lord, you want me to do this? <laughs> All right, well, can I can I can I can I put a fleece out? He puts it out twice. And you know, and uh, if you're familiar with the story, he puts the fleece out and the Lord confirms it twice. He said, No, Lord, let me do it just one more time. Don't be angry with me, just don't, don't, don't get mad with me. This is, this is, uh, this is, I, I need some encouragement. I need some confirmation. And, uh, Lord gives it to him. Doesn't have to. He does. Then Jeroboam, chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. So we all know the saying, birds of a feather flock together. And and I think it's well within the realm of uh, possibility that this group of people that returned first, now there's another group of people that are also eliminated. But... I think it's well within reason to say that the members of the first group had more in common with themselves than the members of the second group that were sent home. These, these, these faced a different testing than these over here. So the, uh, the 22,000 had more in common and the 9,700 that remained that also left also had more in common. They were different groups of people, and the Lord, uh, the Lord had, uh, the Lord had something for every single one of them that showed up, and they did show up. And I think if if I get halfway through this and it's time to quit, <laughs> I overrun the overrun the clock. The the point to take home, I just I won't lead you to it. I'll just tell you right to right 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 away. The point to it is that every single one of these people showed up despite the fact that they were fearful, fearful and afraid. Despite the fact that maybe they, they had an overabundance of confidence. <laughs> despite the fact that the Lord didn't need them, they still showed up. And uh, when you show up in good faith, you hear the call, you hear the trumpet, you hear the summons. And, and you know what's going on. Maybe you don't, but if you know what's going on, you show up anyway, and the Lord says, okay, go home. I don't need you. The Lord is going to send you home with something, something that you need, something very valuable. And, uh, it depends on your character. It depends on who you are. It depends on what the Lord sends you home with. But you got to show up in order to get it. And so we're not going to look at the 300 today. We're going to look at, we're not going to look at all the, 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 all of the uh, positive attributes and characteristics of the 300. We, we know those guys. We know those guys. We're going to look at the rest of them. We're going to look at the average person. We're going to look at the common man here. Because the Lord uses the common people just as much as he uses the uncommon. And we'll find that out in the end. And, um, so, the total, 32,000. 32, That's the grand total that shows up. And after the 22,000 went home, there remained 9,700 more that would be eliminated and leaving the final 300. So that's, that's the breakdown. 
And the overall characteristic of the first group was they were fearful and fearful and afraid. But uh, it's worth asking the question: Why did they show up? Why did they show up? If you're so fearful and afraid, why did you show up? <laughs> well, maybe they mistook the meaning of the call. Maybe they 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 uh, they thought it was a town gathering about what to do, but not to do. You know. Well, everybody shows up for the town hall meeting, you know, if they care at all. They want to have an opinion, you know. No, maybe they were unaware what was really going on. Maybe they had their head in the sand a little bit. Didn't quite didn't quite comprehend everything that was that was that was being said. Come on. Maybe they assumed uh, the adversary was smaller than it really was. Oh, we're going to go fight. Oh, if if we're fighting, it must be an easy battle. No, it wasn't. It was a suicide mission. <laughs> Perhaps they arrived out of obligation. Oh man, the Joneses next door. Mister Jones is gone. Oh man, I better go too. You know, <laughs> let me put my boots on. Maybe it was out of patriotism or some kind of uh, emotional response. You know, get all stirred up. I mean, that's a good thing. Patriotism isn't a bad thing, but it, it isn't always the right reason for everything. It's a good thing, but the, in its wrong place, is, it, it's just not. It's, it, it can be in the wrong place. It can be misplaced. But it's not a wrong thing in and of itself. It's what we do with it. But the end result of all of these, however, how, for whatever reason they showed up, they were fearful and afraid no matter what. But they were faithful to show up. That means something to God. They were faithful to the trumpet sound. They were faithful to the call, the summons. But were they chosen to go up to the battle? No. The uh, official reason on record is because God didn't need that many people. But the underlying reason is because God knew that if 32,000 went and they won the battle against this innumerable host of enemies that, uh, that even with 32,000, the, uh, the, the post came statistic armchair experts would work it out how they won in and of their own might. You know how it is, you know. Oh man, I knew that Gideon, I knew there was something to that guy. I knew he was going to do something amazing and yeah, we did it, you know. We won. The, 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 the worst team in the league beat the best team, you know. Okay, it happens every once in a while, but maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the Lord said, no, no, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be easier for you to believe that this can be done in 300 men through my might than 32,000 through my might. You know, sometimes the, 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 uh, the bigger the miracle, the easier it is to believe. The easier it is to give God the glory. Diminish that one little iota in your human nature will t- take it and twist it. That's just the way we are. That's the way I am. I remember, I remember I came, came within, within 12 inches of life and death. And I was unconscious. And I came to, and I had just enough time to, 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 I had just enough time to escape. Now, the Lord could have brought me to a long time before that. But when you, you know, you pass out at the wheel at 80 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, you know, and you got four lanes, the Lord's going to wait until you get all the way on the other side of the solid white line on the shoulder before he wakes up. He's going to do that. You know why? Because you want, he wants you to know he's there. It's not just, oh, I woke up. I woke up in time. No, no, the Lord woke me up just in time. And when you get those experiences, and the Lord, you, you know, the Lord gives you them every decade or so. You know, I don't know, I don't know if it's a clockwork thing. It just seems like every about 10 years, the Lord just says, I'm still here. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Cause I wouldn't, wouldn't have got through without you. And I wasn't even thinking about you at the time. I was busy doing life, you know. 
the Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. And so, did the 22,000 people learn something by showing up? Well, maybe not right at that moment, but they definitely learned something when they went home. The Lord said, go home. Now, what would you feel if you were in their shoes? Based on your, 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 based on who you are, your own temperament, your own personality, your own experiences, your, your, your personal, uh, brand of bravura, your personal mix of, uh, experience. <clears throat> Would you have felt guilty for being afraid? Lord, who, who among you are fearful and afraid? Oh, I'm afraid. I gotta go home. <laughs> Would you feel guilty for being afraid? Uh, would you feel shame for not measuring up to the, to the, to the, to the qualification? Would you feel relief? <laughs> would you feel anger for not being chosen? If, if you wanted to be chosen. You know, the many, many, uh, many a soldier in World War II didn't get to see, didn't get to face battle time, and they wanted to. And they got mad. Because they didn't, they weren't there with their brothers. They, they got put somewhere else by the, by the commander. Embarrassment for showing up and then, sorry, go back home. It hurts the pride. It, uh, it does stuff to you. It, it, there's this, there's this effect that happens just like a little kid, you know, shows up. I'll, I'll do it, you know, volunteers, you know, and then, you, oh, sorry, <laughs> you're not the, you're not the one, you're not the one I'm looking for to do this little job. You know, turn around and go home. You know, it's okay. I don't need you. Oh man, they just, they're, they, they're crestfallen, you know, <laughs> their little hearts are, you know, their little, their, their, their zeal is, been punctured a little bit. Oh, yeah, it breaks your heart. But you have to experience these things because you learn from it. You learn humility from it. You learn all sorts of things from, from going home. I can just see one guy. He says, oh, man, I'm fearful and afraid. Uh, I was fearful and afraid, but now I'm not. <laughs> it won't happen again, sir. Can I go? That's ridiculous. You are what you are until you're not. <laughs> and and you can't be what you and you can't be <laughs> what you want to be until you are. <laughs> you know? It, it takes growth, it takes maturity. And uh there there's this testing and the Lord and the Lord is working a great work. This is God is the God of, 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 of managing the entire body, the entire group. But he's also the God of the individual. Can you see him working with each individual heart, each, each individual within the collective? And he's dealing with the collective as a whole. God is always dealing with the whole and the individual all at the same time. And we need each other because the 30, the 22,000 that go home first are the ones that greet the 97 when they come home. And it's the 9,700 that night might just need the good advice of the 22,000 to figure out why they got eliminated because they don't know why they got eliminated. They're just said go home. The 22,000 know why they had to go home, but the 9,700 don't know. They're not told why. Now, let's look at Gideon. Shouldn't Gideon be going home by now? He was fearful and afraid. Why did he, why didn't he go home? Why does he get a pass? Here's, he's so fearful that he goes to the trouble of, of harvesting some wheat. And then he drags it all the way over to a vineyard that's out of season in hopes that the Midianites don't go looking for grapes. Because, you know, grapes aren't in season in, in the wheat, wheat season. 
So he's over there hoping that, you know, oh yeah, there's, there's no grapes over there for us to eat, you know. He's over there. He's, yeah, he's probably learned from the experience of the stupidity of others. Oh, I'm going to defy the Midianites and thresh my wheat right in front of them, you know. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, you get pummeled. Gideon is, uh, Gideon is afraid and is fearful, but he's still finding a way around it. He's still finding a way to do what he can. He still shows up to thresh. He still shows up to harvest. He still shows up to do, do something. And, uh, so he showed up all by himself. He didn't, he didn't show up with everybody else. He's showing up early. <laughs> He's so fearful that he that he can't face his own household when he tears down the altar of Baal. He does it at night and says, all right, well, when they wake up in the morning, we'll see what shakes out. I am now past the point of no return. Here we go. Let's see what shakes. <laughs> did you know God did not upbraid Gideon at all? God does not upbraid the 22,000 being fearful and afraid. God did not upbraid the 9,700 for being eliminated. He doesn't criticize them a single bit. Now, they might criticize each other. Hey, <laughs> you, the 9,700, you know, the, 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 I would, if I were to guess, because birds of a feather flock together, I would say the 22,000 are more along the more of the um, personality, or more along the the, the demographic of of uh, let's just look at it in terms of uh, of uh, 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 high school. You know, you've got your nerds and you've got your jocks, <laughs> right? You've you've got the 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 accountants, the the geeks, the 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 skilled craftsmen of tedious and particular um, uh, trades. And uh, these are the people who aren't going to uh, be really interested in MMA wrestling. <laughs> They're not going to be have any any interest in watching, uh, you know, Neanderthals attempt to communicate at each other on the WWF wrestling channel. You know. Now there, there's there's I'm not saying every there's there's a variety of mix in both groups, but I would say the 9700 were more the kind of type of people you'd want to go out with battle with. You know, these are the guys can, you know, skin a buck in 10 minutes. You know, these are the guys that, you know, uh, had, you know, have the wilderness survival training, you know, and, and, uh, maybe they've never seen any, seen any combat per se, but, you know, they're, they're, they're strong. Maybe they're, they're a little more robust, A type personalities, that sort of thing. I kind of see the two groups that way. I don't know if you see it that way, but, but I'm thinking the 9700 are thinking, whew, thank, Thank God the 22,000 are going home. You don't give so and so a sword. Because <laughs> if he doesn't cut his own head off with it, he'll probably cut mine off with it. We don't need him. Go home. Good job, Lord. Thank you for, you know. <laughs> and the Lord's like, now you go home. <laughs> You've got too much confidence. Uh, you're not quite comprehending the gravity of the situation. Uh, so maybe there's a little bit of, see you later. <laughs> but ultimately in the end, they need each other. Ultimately in the end, they are part of a whole. And we'll see that, uh, we'll see that they get some, they do see some action in the end. They do get to be a part in the end. And it's just one verse, but it, you see it, it's there. So, <clears throat> uh, They weren't going to fight anyways. It's just the fact. 22,000 being sent home was of course to their, to, to their, to their, to their benefit. To their humbling. No doubt, no doubt many of them were relieved, even thankful. 
Thank you, Lord. I showed up. I don't even know how to swing a sword, but thank you for not picking me. Thank you for putting me where I belong. Sometimes going home is the right thing to do. Sometimes staying by the stuff is the right thing to do. Sometimes nothing more than prayer is the right thing to do. Sometimes going the extra mile in a place other than the battlefield, the battlefront, is the right place to be. Do you think round one eliminated all those who were fearful and afraid? No. Nope. Gideon was afraid, but God doesn't send him home. But what about the next group, the 9,700? The 9,700, these guys look the part, you know. Like I said, they were, they, they could sharpen their weapons with skill. They could hone a nice edge on their sword if they had any. They were knowledgeable about things, wilderness survival, and they could skin a buck in 20 minutes, you know, or 10 minutes. Uh, they probably had lots of big game trophies mounted on their walls at home. Brother, you gone from preaching to meddling. No. <laughs> I'm not meddling. Trust me, I'm not meddling. <laughs> but there were probably more of those kind of guys in the 9700. But there's a wide, there's always a wide variety mix and there are always exceptions to the rule. Always. <clears throat> These are men you wanted to be there, rougher and tougher type, you know. But there was a different process of elimination for the 9700. Different process. These were men who, we're proud in the kind of made in America kind of way, you know, not, not necessarily arrogant or, I mean, you might have some of those in there, but they, these were good men. These were good men. They showed up. These were good men. Men who could, uh, you know, take a little pain and not complain. These were, these are men though that maybe they felt like they had a reputation to maintain. <laughs> Uh, if they didn't measure up to their forefathers, you know, they'd be, you know, failures. Men that, uh, if they showed any fear, you know, they'd never live it down. No fear, you know. They were so mentally tough, they could lie to themselves and believe it. <laughs> Which is not mental toughness at all. It's rather the opposite. But these were good men as a whole. Maybe just a little immature in some areas like other people are in their areas. Insecure, self-conscious, but not so much as you'd notice. (laughs) These men probably knew very little of failure in life, primarily because they feared failure so much. And so they do also carry fear. They just wouldn't admit it. These were brave guys put on the show. Stupidly brave. (laughs) These were men who believe that as long as you have enough confidence, you can do anything. Self-made men. You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Faithful to their families, I'm sure. Good, strong workers, respectable in the community, good reputations. But they, they, they lacked something that was needed in this situation. And that's why they also were sent home. Maybe they uh, thought that battles were scheduled. You know, maybe uh, maybe the the there were rules in battle. Uh, you know, maybe they watched too many martial arts movies where you know the one guy is surrounded by ten others, and and the and the ten guys take turns beating up the one guy, you know, and so the one guy beats up every single one in turn. They don't all come come at him at once. Oh, no, that'd be against the rules. <laughs> yeah, just maybe just maybe not a, a realistic uh, perspective. Who knows? I'm just speculating here. But I would say there's probably more of those kind of guys in the 9,700 than the 22,000. Birds of a feather. Things always just seem to work out. <clears throat> they were easy targets. They uh, they weren't they they weren't uh, sober enough. 
And so what does Gideon do? Well, he uh, brings him down to the water. Verse. Uh, let's look at chapter 7. <clears throat> and the Lord said, verse 4, chapter 7, verse 4. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. And so he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, and this will be defined or described in a minute, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees, so both knees on the ground, to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. So the definition of lapping is scoop the water up and put it to your mouth. In contrast, but all the rest of the people, in verse 6, bowed down upon their knees to drink water. Well, if you bow down upon both knees and you put one hand on the ground, you, then you, you, maybe you would use, but the idea is that these guys are just getting down on all fours and putting their faces down on the water. It's easier that way. But the, uh, the ones that brought their hand to their mouth, they brought the water to them and they were more upright, they were more alert, they were paying attention to the surrounding us, the idea. And, uh, and so there's your final 300. Out of 10,000, only 300 of them uh, brought the water to their mouth. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, how on earth did he see all three, 300 of those guys? <laughs> Among 10,000. <laughs> they must have been drinking a long time, you know, maybe really thirsty. All right, just, you keep drinking, keep going, keep going. <laughs> now, the Lord helps, helps, helps them out there, I imagine. So, <laughs> they experienced a small failure, not a big one, just a small one, just one that they could all smile later on knowingly at each other and kind of shrug and say, yeah, but the one that nonetheless stuck with them for the rest of their lives. They weren't upbraided. They weren't scolded. They were just told to go home. It doesn't say uh, that they were ever told why. It was the trick question on the test, you know, that they didn't expect. You know, the one that the nerds probably catch, but they have no idea, no life experience as to why. They just caught it because, you know, that's their... That's their thing. Maybe the 9,700 came home and said, I don't know what happened. And the, and the 22,000 said, well, what happened? And they described the scene and, and, and the 30, and the 22,000 said, oh, oh, I know what happened. This is happened. This is what happened. Oh, I get it now. I wasn't, I wasn't as sober as I should have been. I was a little too confident. I was a little, little just, I just was, I was out of bounds, out of measure there. I get it now. Okay, I learned something. Next time, I think I'll be ready. Next time, I think I'll, I'll be more, more, more useful for that particular period. <clears throat> but now all we have left is the 300. But we're not going to look at the 300. We know who the 300 are. <laughs> Suffice it to say, I think the 300 were men who were able to be honest with themselves about their own fear and inability, but also able to be equally honest with God about his promises and his ability. There's a balance there. The 22,000, it's interesting, the Lord and Gideon did not tell the 22,000 whether they were fearful and afraid. The simple command was, if you are, go home. So every single one of those individuals had to wrestle with that within themselves and admit honestly to themselves that they, they didn't, they, they qualified for that if, if you are. They had to admit it. And sometimes that's the first step in anything is just to admit to God anything. I mean, we can go through our lives and just never admit to the Lord. Admit this is true. Admit that is true. Admit that I, I, I'm fearful and afraid. But that's the first step. 
to having courage because you show up by faith <laughs> and then you admit to the Lord that, yeah, I'm not cut out for this. And the Lord says, that's exactly what I had for you. That's exactly what I had for you. This isn't the end. It's just the beginning. <clears throat> now comes Gideon's test. Does Gideon get tried? Yes, he does. Let's look at, uh, very quickly, I'm running out of time here. Let's look at, uh, uh, let's see here, verse 9 in chapter 7. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, just to him. Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. <laughs> Boy, if the Lord had just stopped right there, Gideon's like, well, what happened to my 300? <laughs> you, 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 you eliminated 99.2% of my army. <laughs> you left me with less than 1%, and now you're telling me to go down? But the Lord doesn't stop there. And the Lord says, verse 10, but if thou fear to go down, if thou fear, yeah, <laughs> go thou with Fura thy servant down to the host. What? What happened to my 300? Now I just got one more guy is going to make a difference at this point. <laughs> one more guy. So I was like, why Fura? He names the Lord, says Fura. Take this guy. I'm thinking, why on earth would the Lord pick this guy to go with Gideon? He's probably more scared than Gideon is at this point. Well, you know what Fura means? His name means foliage. <laughs> As in camouflage. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Take, uh, take camo with you. <laughs> You're going to need some camouflage. <laughs> He's the sniper. He's he's probably his nickname. Yay, foliage. Because he's always covered in foliage, because that's his skill, you know. He's a sniper. Take take Fira down with me. You can't you can't you can't beat this with a stick. I mean it's just, the Lord has so so many good things in here. It's just amazing. Verse eleven, thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then he went down with Fuhrer, his servant. Yeah, he took him. One more guy is better than one, you know. <laughs> Unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. He's right there. And he's sneaking up and he's, in, in, and he's doing a recon mission. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude and their camels without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And, <clears throat> and when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. This is what the Lord has for Gideon. And said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came unto a tent, and smote it, that it fell, and overturned it, and the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, Oh, man. Superstitious guys, right? You know, I thought only sailors were superstitious. No, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon. <laughs> the rumors going around the camp that the sword of Gideon is... The son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Then the Lord's messing with their minds already and nothing's even happened. <laughs> yeah, Gideon's like, oh, this is great. What does Gideon say in verse 15? And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped. Praise the Lord! <laughs> And returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. That's what he got out of it. He got encouragement right when he needed it. After the Lord said, All right, I'm getting rid of 99 plus of your army. Now I'm going to encourage you a little bit. Because I imagine Gideon was pretty discouraged by that point. All right. Now... Let's go find the cleanup crew. So they rout the Midianites and they flee and they all, you know, they're killing each other left and right. And you know the story. They blow the trumpets and, and the, the, the host is in confusion and they, they kill, they, you know, they eliminate some of each, some of them themselves. And, uh, let's see, where's the verse? Eight? Is it eight, eighteen? No. Nope, nope, that's different. 
I'm going to find it here in a second. There we go. Uh, verse 22, chapter 7, 22. And the 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshita and Zerath, and to the border of Abel-Meholah, and unto Tabath. 23. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of all Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. You know the 22,000 that went home? You know the 9,700 that went home? They were the cleanup crew. Uh, three out of four tribes show up and, and, and help Gideon after that point. Now he's got his army. It's the cleanup crew. So, you know, I, <laughs> I like to think that uh, I might be able to be part of the cleanup crew. If the Lord ever says, all right, now it's time. You've learned a few things in your life. Now it's time. Come on, go help them. They need some help now. Now's the time. Cleanup crew. And so, and even the 300 go home after it's all said and done. Everybody goes home in this story. Sometimes it's a little bit of an adjustment for the 300, you know. I kind of think of my dad as one of the 300. It was hard for him coming off the field. He was just used to that. He was, he was used to the, the drive. Um, but he went home. He finally came home and kind of got used to, he kind of settled into being a grandfather and spending time with his grandkids. But, you know, there's always that drive. Old soldiers never die. They just fade away. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But, uh, they need you. They need you at home. They need you to support. They need you to pray. And, uh, you can always help out on the cleanup crew. That sort of thing. And so Gideon went home too. He didn't run for president even though they asked him to. But he did seek for earthly compensation in the end and it was a snare to his household. So keep the Lord always in your sights, whoever you end up being in your life. And the Lord will use you. And the Lord will teach you, and, but just be faithful. Be faithful to show up, and the Lord will always, the Lord will always respond to faith. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, finish that. I, I don't, I uh, lost track of time, but uh, a little bit of a break here. Okay, all right, thank you, folks. God bless you.